welcome to the Good Bob Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed blues pilots with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how to make headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is a Good Bob Podcast. And our our guests brought some some really uh, delicious, yummy beverage that it doesn't appear either one of us can drink without it devastating our stomach. <laughs> However, it got me it got me thinking about I went I went to a, a German beer garden this this past week and uh, I'm I'm sitting at this place and it's an account that I just started working with and and you guys know I I used to be really into beer I got completely out of it I mean it was like at a time like the triple IPAs were just devastating and I was like I cannot continue to do this to my body so I made the full switch to spirits and kind of just really got away from beers and I didn't come back to any type of beer until so Chris you got me into two town cider. And then I started drinking some of those. And, but even then, like, you know, occasionally I'll have, you know, some Mexican lager, but for the most part, I don't drink it. And like most things, I want to experience it. I want to see like, oh, maybe I wasn't drinking the right stuff. Maybe I need to experience different things. And I go, I get this beer that I sell to this account. And the bartender, to his credit, goes, well, it's definitely not the best thing we have. <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, those beer tenders really hit different. <laughs> really... They really hit different. And then, um, but to to his credit, I uh, I was like, well, I know I didn't get the best thing. So can you get me the best thing that you guys serve? And the beer that he did give me was pretty fucking amazing. So what was, I was it? I don't, I don't know. Like I, I just, <laughs> I was, my big takeaway was this guy basically like, you know, just told me like, yeah, this beer is not very good or, you know, not the best. I was like, the way he put it, like, and it was just, it was so deadpan. I was just like, I was like, is this how they all talk to you? Like, is this what I dealt with back in the day? I was just kind of being like a drinking shit beer. And I was like, I probably did. I probably dealt with I mean, it. this explains a lot about how you talk to people about booze. You talk to people about booze the way that beer tenders talk to people about beer. The difference is, is that no one's going to allow you behind their bar because service matters. <laughs> That's true. And... I will say that as I as I get older and I realize that I need to soften need to soften the blow on how I deliver information and and pick more of a lane like it's it's definitely that because I don't want to alienate myself from every future every future potential opportunity right just by having too strong of an opinion so you're right and I just was like it but to like have this guy do it, it's just, I was like, this is not what this is. This is not hospitality. Like, and he, but he said it with a smile, and I was kind of like, I was like, I don't think he's wrong. And, and but but it was it was really it was a really interesting experience. And and I bring this up because our 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 guest tonight also you know brought brought us some beer to drink, which has been just an absolute gut punch for both Chris and I. Um, our guest tonight is the spirit specialist for most of California at Winebow. He's a former barman, current father, consumer of fine spirits, an occasional writer of words, and my chief nemesis on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that, that holds up. The person I battle with the most, to the point where people have asked me, are you guys cool? 
which for the record, we always are. And it's become a running joke between us. Our guest tonight, Travis Baker. Finally, it's yeah. happening. What's up, dudes? Oh, we got to turn the mic. Hello, greetings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I brought you some beer. I, I figured I couldn't out-nerd you guys on, on interesting spirits, so I, I took a sharp left at Albuquerque and went with uh, some crazy beer that I found at one of our local spots. You're giving both of us way too much uh, um like credit for being nerdy about booze when you sit here with us 90% of the time. That's, That's true. true. Yeah. And nerd would nerd out. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. yeah I'm like, <laughs> projecting my nerd blame on you. That's not fair. <laughs> well, and, uh, I, and I think it's also funny because there's, there's a lot of people are like, they're like, like Drew, you have such a great job. Like you really get to about us. I was like, is this just like the best job? I was like, no, Travis Baker has the best <laughs> job without question because he's got, a dope portfolio and he gets to be the spirit specialist. So you're not really taking orders. You're not chasing checks. Not a lot. You just, you just get to be like the cool guy who knows shit. And to me, I'm like, that's the best job that right there. Hands down. Best job. I do. I do enjoy it. Uh, but yeah, I mean like I get my samples delivered here. Uh, or, or Cordy brothers. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. Um, so all the new cool shit you've already tried, so I couldn't bring any of That's that. True. So, so we went with this, which is a uh, – should we just talk about this now? Yeah, 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 so, yeah what are you drinking? Uh, so this is called Fleeting Seasons. Uh, this is from Alvarado Street out of Salinas, California. Um, really cool brewery. I almost always enjoy stuff from them, although this was my first excursion into their, like, uh, barrel-aged saison. But this – is an oak age saison with sun gold tomatoes. What so, what does that mean? So we're drinking fucking tomato beer. Well, what is what is um, like tomato juice, tomato skin? No, like, and then so, you keep saying saison. Tell us what does this mean? I'll just first off read you guys the back of the label because they're, they're pretty uh, they're pretty good with their educated. Their, yeah, uh, yeast of Eden, fleeting seasons. In the summer of twenty twenty, that can start up that way. <laughs> Uh, we teamed up with Celador Ales to fashion a unique tropical expression of saison by combining a 50-50 blend of our oak-aged saison onto, onto sun gold tomatoes from Tutti Frutti Farms. We created a delight. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Great. Killing it. Yeah, and then there's some tasting notes and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it sounds to me like they just poured the beer on top of a bunch of tomatoes, bunch of tomatoes and let it sit for a while. And then pulled it off so it grabs some of that flavor. Yeah. Cool. I'm into it. That, that's how I that's how I'm uh, into it. I mean this is this is delicious. It's just uh as being a glutard, uh the the beer doesn't um, that was my one uh, do well. uh my one fail. Well, I forgot we will be fine it. here. My wife will hate you. <laughs> and I guess I get sympathy pains from Chris. Most wives hate me anyway. <laughs> so Including your own? Including mine. <laughs> like, hey, so remember how I went to the soccer match on Saturday and you were with the kids alone? I gotta do that again on Monday. I gotta go drink beer. And, uh, but it's for work. She's like, yeah, that's always like the tough part about this job, right? Is that you gotta, you gotta find your moments. No, okay, this is, this is how I break this news. This is how, this is how I break that news. I think the fortunate thing for me is that when me and my wife met, like I was full blown in this industry and in one of the most ridiculous jobs known to man. Right. So it's like, she doesn't know any different. She doesn't know a scenario where there's not like late nights and, and things like that. 
And I just thank God for that. Cause I know we have counterparts who don't have that scenario. And like, and, and even to the, to a certain point, like where I've had friends, it's like, well, come on, man. Like, you know, all kinds of people, like you're around bartenders, like introduce me to someone. I was like, you don't want to date someone in this industry if you're outside the industry. No, no, that's yeah. a bad idea. How, yeah. how we made it work is, is amazing. It's a testament to my wife's uh, patience. And you're studying good looks. <laughs> and well, yeah. Well, your ability to produce good looking children. Also a testament to her. <laughs> I blame my wife for that as well. Uh, Chris, are you drinking anything else, or are you just drinking the beer? I'm tr- I'm drinking what you guys brought. So um, I okay. mean, I we're sitting here at Good Bottle Day, and um, and I could have produced any number of things, but then both of these fine gentlemen, um, ooh, that's a nice sound, ooh, brought uh, two very uh, exciting things to drink. I'm just gonna pour myself a little bit more of that. Ooh, wow, yeah. Where is that sample bottle? Yep. <laughs> and uh, and I figured I would drink their booze instead. Good idea. So what Chris is drinking and I'm drinking and Travis is now drinking as well. So we got we got tomato beer and we have the new M and H um, cognac cask. So Israeli whiskey and tomato beer. The match so, made in heaven. It's, it's so truly... around around the rest of the world, is it still called milk and honey? And just in the United States, it's just M and H. Do you know? I don't know. Um, I think I think they actually actively moved towards that because we all know how the general population is, and they and I think they got sick and tired of the question of is there really milk and honey in this whiskey? Oh, <laughs> Which I mean, maybe you can blame like Diageo for because they sure. just there's no rules. Yeah. Um, but then they also have like the bull bee on there, which is also just confusing for a lot of reasons, even though some of their early logos like was a cow and they're like, it just didn't look that good on a label, which I think is really funny. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, I think they transitioned pretty much everything. Cause when I see bottles in different countries, like it's M and H and and again, I, I think it just comes down to people legitimately thinking there's milk and honey in this whiskey. And well, that's silly and makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's delicious stuff. Uh, the one that we're drinking, Right now is part of their part of their Apex series, um, and that's just where they're doing full maturation in different types of barrels. So this one is a cognac cask, uh, and I'm just I was just really really excited about it because I, you know, we've talked about the pomegranate cask on here before. They've done some sherry, they've done some peated cask. They actually just announced today their new Dead Sea cask is uh, has been bottled and should be shipping over. You know, based on today's shipping routes, maybe in the next like 18 months <laughs> we'll get it. But um, but they just do all kinds of cool things, and, I, and I've and I've always really appreciated uh, cognac cognac barrels when it comes to whiskey aging. And when you do a full maturation like they're doing, I mean, granted, it's it, you know it's at three years, it might be a little bit longer, but you are talking about the climate of Tel Aviv, right? So there's some big swings between you know hot to cold, and so there's a lot of interaction with that wood. But I just think they do such a good job. I mean, the ABV on this one is fifty eight point eight. So I mean, this is a, this is a heater that uh, like like most of the Apex series, and they also come in like the most ridiculous sturdy boxes. Yeah, they're they're great, and and like yeah. they just they present really well, and and a lot of unfortunately with some of my experience with like you know boxes tend to be like the last kind of thing that people think of when they get into their packaging and stuff like that, and and often when you're dealing with a lot of foreign products, by the time that those boxes show up to you. Like they're beat to shit and they look yeah. horrible, right? 
Like these boxes look great. It really fits the bottle snug into it, but it's not to the point where you ever have those bottles where you're afraid to pull it out. It's like, I'm going to break this entire <laughs> thing. I did that with um, the Black Tot last consignment a couple weeks ago. The the case? Yeah, where I was trying to get the bottle out, and it was and it was our buddy Jared, can't pronounce his last name. Paniagua? Uh, Paniagua. Yeah, that. Bread, so, bread and water. Bread and water, baby. Uh, well, I never heard that. That's great. I'm going to forget it immediately. On. But uh, so so Jared had it, and I was like trying to take it out of the case. And I, was, I was like, you got to do this, because I feel like I'm going to break this thing. <laughs> So you got to force it a little bit. I was like, I'm not going to force my way through an $800 bottle. You know, like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm going to let you do this. But, you know, again, start to finish, I, I just think that they do such a great job. And they're constantly coming out with new stuff. I feel like we've been hit with a lot of these things. So I wanted to share it tonight. Um, and, and I'm glad I did because it's just, it's super This is super great. Uh, yes, uh, I think um, I, finishing booze in you know different casks has become a little bit more um common these days oh, I, you know absolutely you know it's definitely a, uh, you know a way for for companies to set themselves apart but i've had some really terrible ones and some really delicious ones and i think what i've noticed as a trend is really uh whiskey aged in anything grape based so wine like fortified wine sherry brandy all delicious. I've, I've, I actually haven't had sure. a bad one in that way. Um, where I start getting weirded out is like when um, like agave gets thrown into the mix somewhere in there. And I, I haven't had any good ones in, the, in that. 100%. Uh, where, where they like, they age agave in wet whiskey casks or. Yeah. Yeah. Um... We have one from the Arte Nom series that they're they're doing a blanco from Cascaween uh, that is I mean they're not wet brandy barrels but they're brandy barrels uh, that have also seen some mezcal for a little bit so it's a brandy barrel that's wet from mezcal that then is a blanco tequila because it's aged short enough of a time that it can still be a Blanco. That, that is such a turnoff. Uh, but I will tell you yeah, that I'm, I'm actually interested in tasting <laughs> it because it is Arte Nom. In Cascaween. Transformer of Super Tequila. And when you're saying wet barrels, what does that mean? Uh, it means like once the... And again, it's weird that they even aged Mezcal at all. because It's not my favorite thing in the world, but whatever. Um, so... Mescal saw this brandy barrel for like six months. They bottled it, and before the barrel dried out, they threw tequila in there. So yeah. it's literally like has some residue of uh, not only in the fibers, but there's you know there's a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's and absolutely it, juice. And there's and there's and sometimes that's the case, right? I know that's been at times a controversial thing for some drinkers out there and enthusiasts who don't have better things to do with their life <laughs> when they're just kind of like, like this just tastes. There must have been a quarter cask of that sherry in there or something uh, like that, I, I, you know, which I think is always just hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes it tastes fucking delicious. So yeah. get over yeah. it. It's okay. I don't I like mean, like Basil Hayden's dark rye. Yeah. There's like a quarter cask of port still left in that. Who cares? It's great. Oh, see, now you just brought up the whiskey that I hate the most in this world. Like, Basil Hayden? The, no, no, no. Not Basil Hayden. The, the, in just particular, the that, that rye. Like the the first time I had it, I just was like, I was like, this is horrible, 
horrible stuff. And then like the fifth time I had it, cause I kept trying to, cause I, you know, continued to hear like, hey, this is great. It's just not for me. But it's like, I do not like that dark how, ride. I, I do not like how much of that sweetness comes through. That is uh, hands down. One of the most unanimous, unanimously, unanimously. That was a Drew moment. Right that, was a, that was a hard Drew moment. I've been hanging out with you too much today. Uh, unanimously agreed upon like user-friendly whiskeys that I've ever come across. I've had whiskey snobs up and down, taste it and go, oh, that's, that's great. Think, and I've had newbies go, this is what whiskey can be? <laughs> See, I, I, think, I think my issue stems from the, the scenario of if you're, if you're going to be something, I need you to have elements of, of that thing. And when I drink that Caribbean dark rye, I don't taste any rye. I just taste no, not the not the Caribbean dark rye because the, they have they have the Caribbean rye and then they have got the dark rye. Okay, maybe the Caribbean the Caribbean is in the rum cask. The dark rye is in the port cask. Okay, so it's just the dark rye. Yeah, it's so the it's Caribbean. Like- the Caribbean, I I I detest. Sorry, guys. Deal with it. <laughs> I think I got to tell you. I think they're fun. S- similar to the the lashing that some that some distributors <laughs> took last week. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're big enough that. Also, well, let's touch on that real quick. Uh, handsome Dave, we and, love you. Oh, we my love gosh. you. You're so handsome. This you, uh, uh, this wasn't about you, but you know, if you feel attacked, maybe it's time to look inward. Well, I I'll say this. <laughs> I bet I bet handsome Dave is so handsome that when he looks inward, it's even more handsome. Handsome Dave is so handsome that he is irritated at being known as Handsome Dave, which of course only makes him more handsome. <laughs> yeah. That I like remember... touch of humility is just incredible. Cool. Come on, guys. That's it. So the first... I know things too, guys. <laughs> the, the, just the, a piece the, of first, the first time that Handsome Dave and me like had like a full blown conversation was was at Snug, and it was about a mess couple. And you remember those things when you meet Handsome Dave because it's just kind of like you don't forget the first time, right? And. Uh, and I was so taken back by the fact that, first of all, he's talking to me and making eye contact. <laughs> Second, he's like, we're about to get some mezcals. I know that you know a lot of them. I'd like to learn some more myself. And so I recommended him a couple of books after catching my breath. And, um, <laughs> and so I just, I will, I will, I think about that almost every time that I see him. Cause I'm kind of like, I'm like, here's this guy that like, we kind of, like we knew each other kind of, it was like in this, these roundabout ways. Like I think what happens in this industry a lot. Right. But it was like our first conversation and outside of, you know, the dreamy looks, it was just I was like, and he gives a shit. Like, oh my God, like this guy cares and he doesn't have to. <laughs> he does. I just, I, those people always, always stand out to me when they, when they work for, you know, some of the bigger, bigger boys. They're just kind of like, oh, he's one of the good ones. Yeah. You know, he's not just taking orders. It's one of the good ones. I mean, he does that too. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he's got to keep his job. That's so, right. yeah. So, yeah. Dave, you're one of the good ones, man. We love you, Officially Dave. recorded on thing. That's right. It's out in the, it's going to out on the uh, interwebs. Yeah. You can't yeah. take it back. The internet's forever. That's right. It's just like Dave's good looks. Hello. I'm Chad Brown, founder of Modified Serbs Company. What is Modified Serbs Company, you ask? We are an organic tea-based syrup company located in Sacramento, California. We provide complex flavored syrups that pair well with sodas, cocktails, tea, and even coffee. Interested? Visit our Facebook and Instagram pages at 
modified underscore syrups underscore company 916 for all the latest news and updates. Cheers. Okay, but now I think it's time for our our opinion on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about tonight is Vox Media is buying the publication Punch, which is a really well-known online drink-oriented website. And it's something that, like, if you ever type in a, you know, like, how do you make this? How do you make that? Like, usually Punch is going to be in your first three kind of uh, kind of search results and stuff like that. The plan is uh, Vox wants to combine them with their in-house food uh, source, which is Eater, which is another really, really great resource. And they're going to try to put together, like, this uh, basically a site that is not only – that's going to lead – consumers to great places to eat and drink kind of together and pairing those things and just making it really easy for people to research and stuff. I personally am very excited about this. Like I, I reference both places pretty often and it's one of those ones that, you know, cause there's a lot of websites out there that when you read it, you kind of like want to kill yourself and not to say that they're completely above that, but there's definitely more good than bad. So, um, Chris, what do you think about this purchase? What do you think about the potential of these two pretty pretty good sites coming together and creating something kind of cool? Well, I was really interested, uh, given our given our conversation last week um, about acquisitions and mergers, right? Like this, this kind of fell in line with the same narrative. And I didn't realize it. I mean, I knew that it was happening across media sort of in Moss, um, you know, for the last... 20 years, but I, I, I didn't realize the extent to which that was happening also with like print uh, media. I, I didn't know also that Punch was owned by uh, Penguin Random House, which kind of made me feel good. Like, I feel like I just could keep, keep my learning going from grade school. You know, all, all your textbooks from grade school are all by Penguin Random House. So um, I was like, oh, look at them, like continuing education for Chris. This is great. Um, yeah, if you get on one of their email lists, though, good lord, they are relentless. Oh, I, I, I'm sure of it. And then it's yeah. like, and I don't, I don't remember how I got onto it, but there, and this was very recent. Like, I just finally, I was, I was like, this is enough, and I like unsubscribed like last week. Um, but they are very, very aggressive. So, uh, great company. Want you to learn. Very pushy on the emails. <laughs> uh, you know, I. Punch has always been one of those uh, content creators, and they are a massive content creator. Like their their website is fantastic, and I didn't realize that they had the money behind them that they do, and had they had the, like the infrastructure behind them. It, it all sort of makes sense. But I, I got to be honest, uh, coming up in this industry and seeing uh, things develop as they have over the last ten years, especially with the onset of, of Instagram. You know, and Facebook taking a, a, a much stronger um, place in our society over the last like 10, 15 years. Um, I, I, I wasn't really surprised at seeing more of these, uh, more of these well, well-produced videos and researched uh, articles and what, what have you. Eater has always been something that was super well-respected. 
uh, within our industry uh, in terms of like their write-ups and punches sort of just followed followed in that same same line, especially from from the uh, the beverage scene beverage perspective. So the two together just sort of makes sense to me. I just I think for me I was mostly just surprised. I didn't realize that uh, that punch had the the foundation that it did. Yeah, I think the to your point about Peter, before the pandemic hit, they did an article about this bubble that was forming in our industry. It's something I know that all three of us have talked about numerous times and we haven't talked about it in a year and a half because it it burst, it burst in a completely different way. But at the time, the concern was that you have all these bars that are that are rapidly expanding and there's just not enough talent to 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 staff them. And Eater did this really great article there were there where they highlighted the fact that it's like, oh, you were a bar back at Bourbon and Branch? Like now you can run this bar. Like and that was like that's what they directly referenced because it was a focus on San Francisco. And it was just a really, really well done. And and it's and I didn't realize it actually until this moment. So I was like, how often I've referenced that article almost like two plus years later, probably. But so they they're they're making really good stuff. And that's why I'm really excited. Travis, what do you think? So I I look at this from a, a kind of a different point of view, really. Um, in in a previous life, when I first started college, I, I was a mass communications major, and then I switched over to English, uh, and consequently studied a lot of journalism in the middle of those. Um, so I look at this almost from like a not a, a food and beverage industry point of view, but from more of a media point of view, and it seems to me, and this is maybe just me being a gadfly, that like mergers in in journalism are, are kind of typically bad. Uh, I think yeah, you, I get, you get a little bit more of like a homogenized viewpoint, and also like one of those. I, I, I briefly, well, not briefly. I, I read a lot about it, but um, one of those dudes was like the ex head guy at like buzzfeed i'm like oh fucking great like now i'm gonna get like 15 different ways to spice up your negroni like, I, don't, I don't need that shit um so i mean, I mean that's a good that's a concern but do you <laughs> so we, we all agree that like anybody anytime somebody references anything buzzfeed related it's like a non-starter right definitely okay cool. yeah unless unless uh you're on one of those lists then it's great Right. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah, sure it's fine. made careers, you yeah. know, but uh, I think Red, I think Red Rabbit ended up on a BuzzFeed uh, like top 10 list at some point in time, too. And it was it was definitely a proud moment for me. Yeah, I got into it with my wife once where she was like, she's like kept sending me all these BuzzFeed things. And I just was always, I was like, I'm if it ever says BuzzFeed, I'm not clicking through it. <laughs> yeah. So you just send this to me. <laughs> so you know, it's going to be a dick. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I just yeah. like I cut it out. Try the nice guy approach. Didn't work. Okay, so so you have so you have this kind of. Sorry to sorry to buzzfeed it. Yeah, okay. uh, but go ahead. I have a, I have a little bit of a, of a trepidation uh, regarding what punch will become, and honestly, I I think there's I I tend to to skew a little bit more nerdy probably than the average folks. So I, I've never found punch to be like that expository. Um. Ooh, what's expository mean? I mean, like, I like to deep dive into shit. You know? Okay. Like, uh, I got a guy for you. That's like a that's like an expose there. Yeah. True. Yep. Know what that means? But punch is really great. You know when? Uh, I don't even want to know what you guys talk about. 
you know, when you Drew like, doesn't know things, so gotcha. that's fine. That's what he's when you when you like you forget how to make a blah 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 and like you type it in. Yeah, exactly. You, it's like, it's oh, one yeah, of the recipes right. I know yeah. I can trust. And totally. Then, yeah. Yeah. It's like that and imbibe, and I'm like right. And I compare the two and and agree in my head on which one I'm going. Imbibe typically yeah. takes prettier photos though. Uh, Punch takes good photos, but I like Imbibe a lot. Imbibe takes really, really cocktail yeah. porn photos. Yeah, I've, 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 I'm a more of a fanboy of Imbibe than I am Punch for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, I think all of that uh, also. I did comes... once drink in their editorial bar in Portland. As did I. <laughs> I did not. Uh, I was. Oh, here's a great story. I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but this was like a, like a season or two ago. Um, Lots of new listeners. When. Well, God, I yeah. hope so. <laughs> At least uh, three. Uh, I was in Portland for, I think, for a, a United States Bartenders Guild uh, conference or something like that. And this was back when Facebook would alert people when they were, like, in your city oh, or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Like, hey, so-and-so is nearby. Yeah. So-and-so is nearby. Anyway, one of the um, one of the uh, admins for uh, Imbibe, uh, who I, I'd known through the industry just casually for for a little while and i was always like i always fanboyed out then imbibe oh for for those of you who don't know i'd be surprised if you don't know but if you don't know imbibe is like the the rolling stone uh of of the beverage world i used to it was one of my go-tos for for like new bartenders like what should i start reading and stuff you know and i've got like four or five books i'm like also just you know Get a subscription to Imbibe. Imbibe the book and Imbibe the magazine. Yeah, yeah. Two different. Yes. Two different things. But both of them. But do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, so I was, I, I get off the airplane and I'm with Brad Peters and uh, I get, the worst. I get hit up, I get a, I get a text or I get a, a, a message like, hey, you're in Portland. If you got a moment, come by the office. And I was like, do I? Yeah. I'll be right there. We're literally in the taxi, and I and I tell the taxi to take a to, to go to a different address, and we we go right there. And I was trying desperately like to not tell anybody else who we were with because I didn't want to like I don't know I didn't want to like swarm them with a bunch of fanboy bartenders. Um, but we go in, and Brad's just doing the Brad thing and just being casual and talking to people and like talking shop and whatnot. And I'm all wide eyed fucking staring at this amazing back bar of unique spirits i'd never seen before I'm like oh my god i'm in this office i'm going to drink some of this shit <laughs> and so i come across my very first bottle of malort ah! <laughs> my very very first bottle of malort and brad's not paying attention to me and so i'm just like pouring him things he told the story and i'm just pouring pouring things and having him drink them and he's not paying any attention so i'm like I'm gonna fucking get him. So I pour a little bit of fucking Malort in his glass, and he drinks it. And he looks down. He's like a little inquisitive, yeah, like inquisitive, and takes another sip, and like kind of has like this happy little shrug about it. I'm like motherfucker. <laughs> so I pour myself some. I was like, you know what? Kind of delicious. Well, I think Malort is by by no means good. Um, you're but, out of your goddamn mind. No, no, no. And but I'm just saying, it's like it's not. It's not as bad as it, like the the first time I had it was was at was at B side, and I definitely think like if you've seen like that YouTube video that went kind of viral with like the guy trying to do the Malort commercial, um, still yeah. a favorite of mine. It's so funny. It, so I'll, I'll I'll tag it in our in our show notes so you guys can watch it. 
it's it's really really entertaining but it's definitely like one of those things that you're kind of like yeah you can do that i mean if you can do for nat you can do you know chinar like you can do more like you'll be just fine but uh yeah still very very brad-esque so who invited you to invite who like how did you just it's one of the one of the administrators so so, someone on their executive board it's a surprisingly small team there it is the time that i went with my semi-famous sister-in-law um Brooke Arthur. Brooke Arthur. Shout out. Uh, we're related. It's really the only reason Travis is like anything. <laughs> we we are using Travis to get to Brooke. <laughs> we don't need to do that. I know. We I've got a direct line. I know. She's she's <laughs> awesome, and she she would do it. So, um, but yeah, we were in we were in Portland uh, for my well, she was my wife at the time, but uh, my future wife. It was her birthday, and we cruised up to Portland, and uh, Brooke's like, "Hey, so we're gonna go do this and this and this and this," you know, like all the fucking awesome shit in portland uh she's like but i gotta just like swing by the imbibe office to like do this thing real quick no big deal i'm like um you get what can i go <laughs> well she just like, launched a new you know former journalism english dude that is now booze dude like wants obviously wants to go to the preeminent magazine about journalism and booze so like yeah it was it was quite the and there was like four people there right so, like, yeah, no, we're pretty much like 99% of staff. Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah. So you don't need to do a whole lot. You can do it right. Why are you looking at me when you say that, Drew? I feel like there's a lot of judgment in that statement. It's all right. Nothing I haven't said to you before. That's a fact. <laughs> this uh, this whiskey is delicious, man. Good. Good. I'm glad you like it. Do we have any more thoughts on on Fox and just corporate takeovers? That's Fox to- with a V, not Fox with an F. Yeah. Um, very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and, and like I said, I have I have concerns. That doesn't mean they're going to manifest. Uh, I I think that's a fair concern um, because on multiple levels we see typically like this homogenized uh, narrative that emerges um, when you when you have when you have multiple megaphones, right? Like it's it, it ends up okay. What's the story? Here's our take on it. Even. Even if it's not some, you know, terrible evil plot to take over the world, it's just it's just by by means of of surrounding culture, right? Like if you're surrounded by people in the same office buildings, in the same email chains, creating together, working together, even if it's not the same team, but like uh, occasionally you're you know you go to parties together, like you're you're just going to influence each other. So I do, and uh, Drew and I fight this this good fight a lot. Um, working for small smaller brands in a lot of ways, uh, I do see it being bad for smaller brands in a in a weird trickle down way, because the megaphone for them has gotten larger uh, in sense of now being owned by Vox and having multiple outlets and stuff. So ad money and all that sort of stuff becomes a thing, and who has money for that? It's not the distiller that I represent, you know, down the road a little bit. It's it's not the the in people down in Mexico that are scraping two nickels together to, to put together a mezcal still. Um, it's it's these huge brands that uh, can afford advertising now on Punch and now Eater and now Vox Media at large. Um, so I think there will be a little bit of like. The rich getting richer in a little bit, which is again, it's a concern. You know, I, I think as a counterpoint to that, maybe not a counterpoint because I definitely agree with it, but I, I would I would 
place the argument then even more so on the industry professionals who actually give a fuck to um, be more vocal about the brands that that you enjoy, right? And and not and um, let it be on someone else to be uncomfortable with editorializing that, right? Like if you made a drink, if you made a cocktail, and it was inspired by this and these flavor profiles, don't just say this Tennessee whiskey. Make sure that you say like. You know, sure. like this is this comes from Greenbrier, and I like it because of this, right? Like, um, make sure that you are explicit in in those reasons, because then maybe the editorial staff won't be so eager to replace your choices, right? And it might happen, it might not happen, but at least that, this way we keep everybody a little bit more honest. I think. Well, I think that's just a good that's a good habit for any any person who's in this industry that's trying to be a bigger deal is that you need to be brand aware and emphasizing those things that the stuff that you're working with and why you're working with, like that's, that's just a good habit to be in, in general. You know, what's funny about that is, is that was um, something that I actively worked against on, on a lot of my cocktail menus um, because it was at least from a bar perspective, it wasn't about the brand. It was about the bar. Yeah. And if you wanted to know about the brand, we would talk to you about it. But specifically when you're marketing, like when I, when I learned to market myself as like a human being and as a professional and as uh, something that's outside of this entity that is this brick and mortar bar, then yeah, definitely, you know, I talk about, you know, no matter what it was, you know, whether I was like making cocktails for Don Julio, Dickel, whether I was making cocktails with Boyd and Blair, you know, like, and being explicit and talking about it and not just bullshitting it for the the moment when you open that will you do it right in front of the microphone oh, absolutely thank was, you I was already planning on doing that. that's right <laughs> oh that's a good sound the, Mon- <laughs> the montucky has been cracked this is yeah. the first We're cold snacking sorry everybody this, is the, this first, uh, is the first cold snack yeah on, on the on the pod cold i believe yeah. so not for you guys yeah, that's a that's a, a dark secret of mine is, is that I actually uh, I wanted to be a beer guy before I got into being a spirits guy. You have the beard for it. Yeah, and apparently the attitude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the funny thing is, is beer paid quite a bit less than booze does. So. It's kind of it's kind of like shocking yeah. how because uh, you know when I when initially I was trying to get into into the industry, I did the same thing because again I was coming from a place of beer and I was, I was like, Oh, I want to work for, you know, a brewery and stuff like that. And then you start to see some of the members and you're kind of like, like, is this, this is, and you start to think about it. You're like, well, yeah, 24 for a six pack. Okay. Like, you know, there's yeah. not, there's not a whole lot of money there. So, so kudos. I mean, and there's some people who obviously crush and, and do really well, but kudos to the beer guys. Very passion driven. Yeah. Very. That's a fact. I hope they have side hustles. It's, yeah. I remember talking to a guy that like had been my my sales rep at, when I was ordering beer at Coin Op, and he, he obviously loved me because we were doing ungodly numbers of kegs, uh, and it, it probably due to me he got promoted, and he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm like making like fifty grand now." I'm like, <laughs> "I'm sorry, what?" For the record, in most <laughs> most sales rep positions you know you're probably starting at 60 70 yeah before before that like you know brand ambassadors obviously a little bit different some of these activist teams are gonna be way different but, but yeah if you if you're a sales rep 
you should already be making a pretty good penny or yeah. have a ridiculous commission structure. Yeah. He was like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to make, like, you know, another, like, four grand in bonuses. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. This <laughs> guy, that, I don't want to do this. We, we, <laughs> we need to talk. And, and, <laughs> you need a job bar back in here? <laughs> and this isn't regulated to just this industry, but this is why you need to talk about your salaries. Yeah, goddamn, that's correct. Because it's like, Definitely. When, you, when you think that you're, like, really crushing it, and you look at the industry around you, you're just kind of like, like, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, and it's still a thing because it's like I know a lot of beer reps that I'm just like, I would never do that. I would never deal with the people you deal with for that little of money. You know, it's just no, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. All right, so now on to our second story. This is uh, California based, so hooray. Uh, Jackson Family Wines, which is one of the most influential wine companies, has just announced a 10-year plan to help fight climate change and pursue other broad environmental and social responsibility goals. One of the things that I liked about this story was it they engaged 100 of their employees and the numerous external investors into the project in order to shape how they're going to reduce their carbon footprint, what are the things that they're going to do over the next 10 years to reduce their effect on climate change with the goal being, if we can do it, we can influence the rest of the industry to do it as well. Travis, when you read this one, what were some of your thoughts? What are you excited about? Do you have any concerns with it? Yeah. So this is one of the times where I actually applaud the, the larger corporate conglomerates, uh, for, for setting the precedent, uh, and well, eh, that's a, that's kind of a loose term. I mean, you've, you've got <laughs> you've got tiny wineries like you know Frogsleaf that's been organic and biodynamic and and keeps their people on full time, uh, and they've been in, they've been doing it for decades. Nobody knows that, you know. Uh, but that being said, uh, no, I'm super stoked on this initiative. I mean, before we started recording, we were, obviously we were talking about like wildfires and climate change and. And this is a real heavy thing. And it will absolutely 100% uh, have direct financial impact on the Napa Valley, the wine world at large, our fucking world at large. So, so I think that them uh, making concrete, loud steps is, is 100% needed. It needed to be done five years ago. I mean, let's be honest about that. Uh, but this, no. this should need to be done 20 years ago. Yeah. But it's okay. Like, yeah. I, I honestly, like, this, this is predicated on the fact that the UN released their climate assessment, what, like two weeks ago? Yeah. And, and without a doubt, it we. It was not a good assessment. It was not. We are, we are in apocalyptic times. <laughs> we are in, we are in a 1990s action movie with Bruce Willis where uh, people need to go to space and Aerosmith needs to start playing. Yeah. Like, I think Aerosmith needs to come out with a new theme song for this decade. There's a really great story that I just heard about that movie. And at one point, Ben Affleck went up to Michael Bay and said, Michael, wouldn't it be easier to teach astronauts how to be drillers than the other way around? To which Michael Bay responded, Shut the fuck up. And just walked away. 
<laughs> I just heard that story over the weekend. Oh it was my great. God, that's incredible. I like because he's probably like halfway through production or whatever. Like, <laughs> Bay was probably like, there's no way but Bay thinks that way about anything. And I say that as a Bay supporter. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, like, give me all the Bay ridiculousness. I want to get motion Bay sickness. is Bay. Yeah, it's like, I want to get motion sickness when I go to his movies. I yeah. want them to be ludicrous. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, but I just love the fact that he just annihilated Affleck like that. That's so funny. And I mean, and, and I feel like, I don't know if that came out before or after... Pearl Harbor, but he at least worked with him twice. So maybe it's the confidence that he that he got on the first movie to be like, okay, I can say something in this Armageddon filming or not, you know. But I just, I'm sorry, I had to share that because I literally just That's heard that hilarious. this weekend. I mean, how many, how many like apocalyptic events movies came out in the '90s? It's got to be in the '90s, in the sir. 90s. They still come out. That's my <laughs> yeah. wife's favorite genre of movies. <laughs> And I hate them. And she's just like, nope, here's another one. And it's like, that is her. That is I her mean, that's band. great. But I feel like in the 90s, it was a, it was like a very specific it thing. There was a spike in, in Apocalypse movies. Yeah. That's for sure. Is that, uh, is that a, a, uh, a correlation with like the music and the, the times, you think? You know, like we were listening to a lot of dark, heavy shit back then. For, for the record, Armageddon came out before, before Pearl Harbor. And also, you can't just... Google Pearl Harbor without including movie if you want to get to that. <laughs> you get other results if you if you don't include it. Bro, I, I just just for everybody else. IMDb. <laughs> also, I hate that fucking movie. I am not. I'm the not. Pearl Harbor. Uh, it was awful. I've actually never even. Seen that was like it's, pulling teeth, man. It's it was quite so problematic. Bad. It was bad. It it was it was so bad that by the time I even got around to maybe thinking of seeing it, I was like, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. So yeah, no. I was, anyway, back to this story. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I need to share all these things. That's yeah. fine. Uh, uh, this climate change apocalypse, Jackson Family Wines. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jackson Family Wines. You're leading the charge. Back to Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I, you know, uh, these guys are definitely not the first ones to do this, right? Like, I know in rum, this has been a big deal for for a long time. I know Bacardi has been under the gun to do this. Uh, for a long time, I know Don Ku and uh, Sarai's Distillery has been has been working really hard. In fact, that's it's kind of uh, one of the main reasons uh, why the current owner of of Sarai's uh, Distillery, um, I, yeah, forgive me, I don't remember his first name. He's the son um, for Don Ku for Don Ku um, Tom John Sarai's. I, I, I'm sorry, guys. I've never had psoriasis. Uh, well, it's Donku psoriasis. That was a really bad Travis joke. Come on, I really man. hope none of you guys heard that. Is it one? It is not. One Yenyo? No. Okay, that's why I put in Don, put in Sun. That's what I got. Okay. I try to produce this. I, I do my best. Anyway, he went, uh, uh, what I do know is he, he went to um, um, uh, University of Oregon to be uh, environmental. Uh, engineer and uh, his dad convinced him to come back home uh, to make the distillery more green and it's it's something that they've been working on for a long time and uh, it's he never really wanted to take over the family business but uh, engaging in that in that practice um, and in that project really uh, made him fall back in love with the family business and the distillery and whatnot and so they've been working on that for, for a really long time and I know both of them 
both Cardi and and Dunku, um, as much as they hate each other, um, fight fight uh, TTB, fight the uh, FDA often in terms of like capturing capturing carbon and reusing it and reutilizing it. Um, and so th- th- it's been a, a big project. So seeing this is not something new, and this is something that a lot of a lot of brands need needed to have done a long, long time ago. I'm really happy though that maybe we can leave a slightly better world for our kids. You know, or at least a less fucked version. Yeah, I was gonna say you know, I mean they're they're mitigate. gonna be thirty they're gonna be thirty they're gonna be our age by the time things maybe even out. Right? I mean that's just the world that's just the reality that we live in. It's Roberto. It is Roberto, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Solid. Yeah. Hashtag Great. produced. <laughs> Drew's done his job for the day. He's signing off. Um, You know, it's... Pour yourself some whiskey. I I get into a lot of trouble when I point out to a lot of people that the the personal responsibility portion of, like, the recycling and conservative, like, um, I I don't want to say conservatism, but, like, environmental conservatism um, is propaganda, right? Like, the... Oh, the, totally. The biggest, the biggest polluters in the world are like the U.S. military and like and and big ag, and included in big ag is definitely large wine companies, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of water being being taken up. There's tons of energy being taken up. Tons of land. Tons of fertilizer. Lots of shit going into the land that's fucking everything up. So that is one thing. Like, and not, not to throw you off your, your train here, but. Um... You know, like I, 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 I do applaud that the move, but then I'm also like, like you said, like 20 years ago, you, you guys are fucking farmers. Like, you know this stuff about the land. Like, you should have. I totally agree. You should have done it 20. Yeah, years. yeah. You knew this was coming. Yeah, like the, you're part of the problem, and now like you, you should have been trying to congratulate you, but you know, you, you should have been water wise, and you weren't because it was easy. Yeah. Pour a bunch of fucking water on top of your vines and, and get a bigger bumper crop and blah blah blah. Uh, and you took the you took the shortcut and and now we're all paying for it. Yeah. Uh, in in both ways, paying for it, you know by buying wine and then paying for it because now we're all gonna <laughs> die. It's, there's no water. Uh, so, like I said, I, I I do applaud them for for starting to do the right thing, but at the same time, they are 100% corporately responsible for all, all of this so let, let, let me ask you guys this because i i had this situation happen to me a couple of weeks ago um where i was i was going through a wine list and just trying to find information like i have like the vivino app yeah um, sure which you know is really good resource take it for what it's worth you know it's basically me but if you're if you're in a position as a consumer you know and you're you're at a bottle shop, you know, either it could be a good bottle, it could be total wine, it could be any of these things, or or at a restaurant looking at a at a list like and you want to make these conscientious decisions. What do you like what would you recommend to people? It's like, hey, check this out. Do you know of any quick resources that it's not like no, not like, oh, I gotta go through seven pages of a Google, you know, like keyword search to try to find something that aligns with my personal beliefs because again like you look at some of these wine lists at these places you're just kind of like 
300 fucking lines on it. Yeah. Like, how well, it, to... it, more, more importantly, uh, actually, is, is the fact that if you're ordering wine by the glass, you're probably not getting something that's that fits those those criteria. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, the BTG is, is to make margin. Right. That's yes, a absolutely. bottle to glass. By the, by the by glass. The glass. By the glass. BTG pricing. By, yeah. by, uh, by the glass. By the glass pricing. Travis is using a lot of industry standard terms because he's making assumptions about our le- about our <laughs> listeners. Right. No, it's fine. He sh- and he should. And that's, and that's it's why okay. we're, that's we why don't we're, we we are here to educate yes. and uh, and that we're not talking down to people. We're just explaining. So yeah. restaurants uh, make a lot of their margin off of things called wells and BTGs the glass. That's how they are able to uh, you know I don't know stay in business. Uh, and offer you other things that maybe their margins aren't as high on because they charge a premium for things that that don't cost much. Yeah, I and the reason the reason bars and restaurants can make that that money in those margins is because they order them in bulk mm-hmm. and they are consistently. It's sort of this uh, this you know verbal contract between the distributor and and the account that uh, by including this product in your drink or pouring it in your well that then you know just the volume goes up right and so thereby you guarantee that this this item will be continued to be purchased and depleted to quote uh the jerk it's a numbers game (laughs) i love that movie (laughs) he hates his cans (laughs) more cans Okay, so I just was looking looking at Jackson Family Wineries, and so they have, based on this very very brief brief look, thirty six different wineries that that is underneath the Jackson Family name. Oh, that's a big deal. That's so you got Napa, and well, yes, but listen to this: Napa, Sonoma, Mendocino, Monterey, Santa Barbara, Oregon, Australia, Chile, France. Italy, South Africa, are where they have different different wineries. Yeah, those are all their APAs. So, so you can imagine now. Region in the fucking world. You can imagine, except for the home of wine, the country of Georgia. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the country of Georgia, folks. Not the, the country, state. Yeah, yeah. The country, baby. Yeah. Um, if if this is something that's really taken serious, and again, and I think the fact that they included. You know some of their employees and got their ideas as well. To me, it 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 adds a level of accountability, right? Where it's like, hey, you had you asked me these questions, you had me come with these ideas. Like, what are we doing? Definitely. You know, and I'm sure from start to finish, like they have by the glass wines, and they're gonna have stuff that's you know not. Yeah, they definitely and it, will. And it will be really, really interesting to see is like, can this still be economical and make sense for someone of this scale to take these steps to ensure the future? Well, here's the thing is it, it definitely can. I mean, maybe not in Napa, maybe not in Sonoma, right? Because the land value is, is too high. But if you're ordering wines from, from old world estates where they're not, paying astronomical taxes on their land that they're still leasing and paying off from the bank that they've owned for generations. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot less expensive. So here in California, uh, we have this uh, sort of 
this great meaning idea of supporting local, right? But it, in the end, everybody's kind of, uh, a lot of the consumers are just burnt out on California wines because it's all they consume all the time. Drew raises his hand. And, um, and you're not getting to really experience kind of the quality that is California wines uh, if that's what you really want to showcase, right? And by that also, we have this entire culture of consumers who are afraid to drink things that they can't pronounce. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one, for sure. Yeah, um, because we've just turned everybody off to the idea of drinking wines from around the world, that you only drink California wines. And if you don't understand that it's a Merlot or a Chardonnay or a Pinot Noir or a Syrah, like you're not, you're not going to drink it. I am very lucky to uh, work for a company that has a an excellent wine portfolio. In fact, we do like eighty percent of our business is, is wine versus spirits. Like it's I'm, it's kind of like they're like, we're going to take this name, <laughs> we're going to model our business after. Yeah, it's so weird. Wine bow. <laughs> Let's get some wines. That's how. That's their slang. We're going to shoot them like they're arrows yes. in people's mouths. Well, yeah. before that, I worked for the Henry Wine Company. Oh, so. Yeah. Doubling down, on yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also reminds me, like you're one of the small guys who got bought out, which was yes. which was our yeah, hot yeah. topic last yeah. week. So, but well, they kept you because again, Travis has the best fucking job <laughs> in Northern California. You somehow like cockroached the situation and survived. You know, uh, who who knew? Who knew that somebody like me would do that? Travis is just really good at tucking and rolling. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. But I would, I would text all my like my buddies that are like attorneys for the state of California or whatever that like probably make a lot more money than me. But I'm in these like sales meetings, obviously not this last year or so, and we're drinking like Bordeaux and like in the middle of the meeting, like Bordeaux and Beaujolais and like all this stuff that I had never experienced ever because I was like 100% cocktail guy that maybe had like a red wine, you know. And so all of a sudden they're just like. Here's this dope shit that we sell. Like, go out and sell it. I'm like, but I only sell spirits. They're like, doesn't matter, drink. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, holy fuck! Like, this whole world of wine like opened up to me in the last like five years. I'm like, oh, now I see why you fucking nerds like geek out on this wine so much. Like, delicious, delicious. Like, it, for me, it was all Cabernet and and maybe like some Big Zin shit. And I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but it's like big, it's heavy, and blah blah. Like no, dude. Like there's so much other stuff out there you could be drinking. Like, ah. Yeah, so, you know, it very much being in the same boat. Like opening this store uh, a couple of years ago now. Hey, we survived. Yeah, hey, you. Hey, 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 this. We, we know. We know things. Fuck you, Drew. Um, uh, has been the the deep dive and sort of just jumping on the grenade of wine. You know, like like just. Full bore into it, learning crash course, uh, asking the questions. Definitely having having the um, the language and the what, uh, what am I trying to say? The the context and understanding of sort of flavor and booze production. Yeah, it's a whole right? different like whole but, different brain. and being able to understand it at least from the spirit side, uh, and then flavor ma- manipulation from the cocktail side, but definitely jumping into the, into wine. Learn It's a different vocabulary entirely. You know, learning how to talk about wine, learning how to, like, geek about wine, learning how to, like, 
pull information out from people is a totally different vocabulary. Yeah, I mean, and even with like last week's guest with, with Thomas, I mean, it's like the way that the way that he talks about wine and the the emphasis that he puts on the farming aspect of it, right? And it's just it's a totally different point of emphasis that that we don't talk about in, in what we do day to day, right? Like we're talking about distillation, we're talking about barrel aging, and those are the things that that really stand out to us where um, kind of referencing the the very popular winery that we were talking about earlier. And for most of that year, it's like they have four guys who run this vineyard and then they bring in groups for harvest and stuff like that. But But these people are constantly checking the soil, checking their vines. And it's just like this, this thing that we're, we just don't think about because most of the products that we're dealing with are annual. Right. right, and, right. It's just like, and then you're completely changing their composition. Right. Where with, with wine, I mean, it's just like, of course those are also annual, but you are not changing it on a chemical level like you are with distillation. Right. You know, which I just think is super interesting and, you know, my journey has been shorter, shorter than Travis's, but it's definitely been a lot of those aha moments. And true to form, like I went the weirdest direction with it, you know, because I just couldn't. And I, I get a lot of, I get a lot of shit from my buddy up at CB Wine Spirits, who's got this incredible wine club and stuff like that. He goes, he's like, you, you couldn't do what normal people did and get into the Bordeaux and stuff like that. It's like you had to go with the most esoteric thing that nobody fucking understands, like Georgian wines and Lebanese wines and, and all this, all these different types. And I just was like, well, yeah, that's that's kind of what I have to do. I have to work backwards from there. But it's really fun to, to hear people talk about wine. And, and I find myself just more often than not, it's like, I just drink way more wine than I drink anything else. Yeah, same. And, and, and I drink a lot of fucking spirits. And I'm still putting down way more. Really? I, drink, I, I, drink, I drink a lot of spirits at work. Uh, and then I typically drink wine at home. Yeah, I've been like that. Yeah. I've definitely been like that for, for a while because wine was always the escape from, from work for me. Right. right? That was, that was always the way that it never felt like working that. And that's, I think that's something a lot of people outside the industry don't always necessarily understand where it's like on the, on the weekends or what our weekends can, can be or not be. It's like, I don't want to go to a bar necessarily. It's like, that's what I do all week. I can't help but to sit at a bar and look at what's on their back bar yeah, who's paying to be in here? You know, look at their menu and yeah. just be like, "Oh my God, kill me!" You know, and it's just like, who thought this was a good my time recipe? Like, are you kidding me? You the know? wheels never stop turning when you go into a bar. No, but I think, but like, what the fuck is that bar back doing over there? Like, yeah, Jesus yeah, and I think, but why are you stacking those hot glasses, you fucking idiot? <laughs> yeah. But but the thing I do like is I like going into I like going into wine bars that are a little bit more exploratory, right? Like I don't I don't want to go into a place where it's like we have all local offerings. It's like, oh, why? You know, it's like I can just go to them. You know, <laughs> they're down they're down the street. I get it. You know, it's like. It's like no, I want. Well, that's I, why it's cheaper yeah. to get them. Yeah, I just like I want to. <laughs> I want to experience new things, and I hopefully, you know, you'll have people who are very are very into it. Also, that that does remind me, uh, Nadia, former guest, natural wine enthusiast, is now the brand ambassador for Nico Wines here in Sacramento. Wait, what? 
Yeah. She's brand ambassador. She's going to be wine like, shop. She's doing like all of their social media. And no, I saw and that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And so I talked to her the other day. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the other part, so I'll tell you off. Okay, cool. Because um, I don't know if she's told people. Yeah. This, but, but, you know, that's, those are the type of people that I want. To, I want to go to a shop like that. Definitely. You know, and talk to someone who, you know, Nadia has taken her whole life and for the past, you know, well, for more multiple years, but really over the past two years, has really dedicated it to this one genre of wine, and she's explored a tremendous. Amount yeah, she's of it. changed her entire life uh, based on this passion. Yeah, which is so awesome, yeah. you know. And I think that's in in like spirits and like anything else. Like, there's there's so much of of this stuff to learn. We did the George wine tasting on on Friday, and it was it was great because I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people. Like, that was awesome. We want to get this. That was great. Can we get that now? It's just, it's really cool to see that stuff, and and I think that wine, and to kind of bring it back to the to the Jackson thing and all and all the stuff. It's like because it's so agricultural based, like they really can make be huge difference makers here. Really, they really can. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want it. I want y'all to get fucked up on the idea that I'm like mad at them for for doing this. Like, I, they should do this. This is. A thing. I'm upset that it took them so long. Yeah, right. You know, it took it took literally many, many points of study across the entire world with hundreds of points of research, multiple peer-reviewed studies for a global organization to come out and go, yeah, we're fucked. Well, for you to actually do something about but I, it. But I think there's but I think there's there's two ways to go about this, right? Are you going to be the company that has contributed to it and actually makes it better? Or are you going to be the company that contributed to it, makes an announcement like this and says, hey, everyone, thank us for putting the fire out or trying to put the fire out. It's like, you started the fire. Right. Yeah. You, know? you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't ask me to thank you for then, it. Yeah. This is, this is literally the least you could do yeah. because you've, you've put us all in this position, not you specifically, personally. But collectively, you are like you mean a lot more than me watering my grass and fucking up my recycling. Yeah, you know Here, what I mean. Here's like, a that's... question for you. Um, so my grandfather, before he passed away, uh, he grew almonds. He was an almond farmer. That's right. That's the almond for everyone else. Who knows how to pronounce things outside like of Northern California? <laughs> um, and he did that. I mean, he also had a, a side job where he worked for Sherwood Williams. But that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> Because being a farmer, you're poor as shit, and you needed to yeah, make money. Sure. And you're also pigs. Yeah, so <laughs> you got to paint a lot of barns. Yeah, I uh, had four kids to put through college, but anyway, it was later on. In his, I mean, he grew my entire life, uh, and then he switched over to organic, and that took him a long time to get the farm to like actually like legally switch over mm-hmm. and, and be certified and all that stuff. And it. I'd like to say it was because he was like trying to help the world. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> the dollar per pound of organic totally. almonds yep. was worth the fucking squeeze. Yeah. To change the farm over. And that was the entire reason he did it. Sure. So I'm guessing if you look into some things, some Jackson has done some 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 economic research and realized that like it doesn't take economic research. To Switching their shit over is going to make them money. Well, it's okay. You can look at it that way. I mean, well, I'm sure it's great for the or you. Or you can look at it like, 
well, if we don't do something, nobody's making money because right. we don't have any grapes anymore to grow anywhere. Yeah. No, I mean, and, yeah. Absolutely. So no one's making yeah, money. Yeah, I, I, so. I, I definitely think it's a two-pronged thing because like, there's that, but I think that like nobody does something like this if they're, if they're not being affected in their wallet. I think there's there's definitely the, the business savvy point to it, and and I'm legitimately not trying to always bring this back to Georgian wine, but <laughs> this it does it is applicable here. There was one of the wineries that that we tasted on on Friday. They had a group of um, kind of savvy investors come in and started started this winery as part of like this re you know reignited interest in in legitimate wine production there. But they put the winery at this elevation that no one had ever put a winery at before. And the reason they did that was because they were like, global warming is a real thing. It's going to get too hot in the valley. So we're going to start planting our grapes up here. And as the world warms up, we'll be fine. Yeah. And I just was like, and I had not heard of anybody doing that. Yeah. And so, and so sometimes you're like, because of course you can you can sell people on like the romance of that like we're in the mountains and we're growing vineyards. It's like no, we just want to be viable for 20, 30, 40, 50 years down yeah. the road. So we planted the vineyard here, and it's just like you know. And I guess sometimes it, it removes the sexiness from it. But you're kind of like that was probably really fucking smart. I don't know. That's pretty sexy to me. Someone yeah. someone making smart choices is it's pretty it's pretty rad to me. Yeah, securing your your family's. Yeah. I'll send you a couple cases this week. Perfect. You got it. <laughs> not not kicking the can down the road to yeah. his, to your kids and hoping they figure it out. Yeah. yeah, that's that's actually a lot more attractive to me. You know who's dope? Them over there. Oh, there it is. Our one. It had to happen. It had to happen. We were doing All right, so now it's time for our Dope Follows. This part of the show is my favorite, and we talk about people, social media accounts, websites, books, other podcasts that we think are dope, that we think you should check out. While still uh, following ours. While still following ours and sharing ours and, and all that fun stuff. I think that these follows just continue to get better and better each week as like as the guests become more savvy to it as well. And then also Chris and I are always trying to like come up with good ones because we also don't want to repeat them. So we're always looking for cool stuff as well. Okay, so Trav, what what is your dope follow this week? Um probably I think I have two. Uh and I don't do honestly a lot of, of pod, casting of pods. Um you guys, uh, some NPR shit, and uh, this other podcast I listen to called Small Town Murder. Uh, it's these good, good company. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's you, Kai Rizdal, and these two jackasses talking about dead people. Uh, they're, they're comedians, and they're actually, like, I think, semi-successful because they, they talk a lot about um, like some of the other like big names that they've like with or whatever so I'm like oh yeah they're actually and they're, they're pretty funny uh but they're like based out of like this shithole in arizona that they always talk about how horrible it is and uh they research these small town murders and they talk about the economics and the socio-political stuff happening in the town as well as this one particular murder and they're also funny about it 
yeah. uh, which sounds bizarre, but it, it works. Um, so that's my podcast listen to. I, I mean, I, I drive so much. Uh, not not lately, but uh, generally in, in the job, like I, I, you know, I put 500 miles in the car a day. You know? uh, but I tend to listen to a lot of music, so that's just my gig. But um, my Instagram follow, he's been a little quiet ever ever since the, the red-hatted one uh, kind of dropped off. But this dude, Pete Souza, he was the uh, official photographer for uh, the White House for a long time. Pete Souza's red. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think, like, he just, like, captures humanity in a really cool way. Um, but I like, I like listening to his stuff. It's not, like, super artistic or anything. It's just, like... He's, a, he's an amazing technical photographer. Yeah, he just like captures yeah, this really moment does, time really in a really, really good yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so those are my two top fives. Chris, who's your top five? P.B. Herman. <laughs> like Paul, P.B. Herman or Paul Rubens? Like, yeah, but his, though his P.B. Herman account, it's fantastic. It oh, makes shit. me really, really happy. He literally just shares so much. Whether it's like people on BMXs dressed up as PB Herman doing like <laughs> insane stunts. Wait, does, so does Paul Rubin run the run, PB Herman? Herman? Yes, oh, that's, he does. That's it's ah. great. It's it's incredible. It just I came across it last week, and I've been laughing nonstop every time I come across one of his posts. Oh, I got an addendum. Okay, <laughs> and you're gonna like this one a lot. He's talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Will Wheaton. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, who's Will Wheaton? <gasps> he, that's instant. Shut Wesley, up, Chris. Wesley Crusher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, yeah, who went on to actually... Like, <laughs> You're staring at me like yeah, he's, mouth again. Yeah, I'm going to leave early. It's pretty good. Murray. It's pretty good. I got a good Will Wheaton story. Also, I asked you so that way you could explain it to, to our to our guests, not be offended with me, but I'll take the hint. It's fine. Okay, so you, you go ahead and I'm going to tell my Will Wheaton after you do this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He, he was posting some funny shit that someone was was like reposting. I'm like, oh, I remember that dude from the 90s, Will Wheaton. And he also, he made some beer with Stone Brewing. Yep. Um, and there was a website a while back that he was kind of like, they made fun of him, and then he kind of came back at them, uh, but like in a kind way. And they're like, and they actually like took it back. They're like, turns out Will Wheaton's awesome, and they're not making fun of him. <laughs> and I remember that happening like 15 years ago, and I'm like, that's dope. Uh, so I kind of, I just like randomly, and I don't follow celebrities or anything like that, generally speaking. But uh, I started following on Facebook. I'm like, this dude is is funny, and he's pretty legit, and. Uh, Okay. He engages with his fans. Here's my question, though. Yeah. What What is the Instagram? It's not Will Wheaton. Oh, uh, I follow him on the book face. Oh, gotcha. It's not. Uh, is it I am Will Wheaton? But yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the fun thing about about guys like him is there's been a there's been a certain renaissance with those types of actors and stuff like that. When you accept kind of your place in history. And you kind of lean into it. Totally. Right? Where you're not fighting it anymore and you're just kind of like, I mean, and we all kind of go through that, especially when you have most of your, you know, when you have a lot of your maturing years unfold on television. Like, that's a really, really hard thing to do. 
Um, my my favorite thing about Will Wheaton is uh, there's this really really strange emphasis that's put on rank with with amongst Star Trek actors. Like it's it's like a big deal to go from an ensign to a lieutenant to a commander. Like like it's a it's a big it's a big deal just amongst the actors and to the point where people have been kept ensigns when they didn't get along with producers and then in Will Wheaton's situation after like season two or three the cast goes in to renegotiate contracts and Will Wheaton of course being the youngest cast member he's a teenager at this time you know in late late teens and the Star Trek producers offered him a rise in rank on the Enterprise that's right, that's true. As, as his raise to which, to, instead to, of actual real money, instead yeah, of real money, he goes to Will uh, Wheaton's credit. He goes, "That's great, guys. I'll go ahead and tell my landlord. Like, don't worry about rent this month. <laughs> I'm a I'm a lieutenant now." <laughs> and I just think that's so amazing. But it is like there is this there's this weird world within the Star Trek, you know, actors that it's like there's just this huge emphasis put on that. It's and and, and again, like I said, it was. It was just, and then to kind of go back to yours, Chris, the the Pee Wee Herman thing. I don't know if you guys watched Pee Wee's Holiday that came out a yep. few years ago. And and I love Pee Wee Herman. It's I just it's just my type of humor. Um, the other day, my wife Caitlin was wearing this towel thing that looked like the genie from. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, and I told her to look it up, and she didn't think it was funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, but the, like that, that movie is, is so great. And was she purple? Uh, no, I wish. <laughs> um, but uh, that's a, that's another guy that's kind of like he kind of moved away from it for a long time, but now to fully come back to it, like, I'm very excited to follow that account because that's that's a big deal. Like his a big deal his description on his Instagram is loner rebel. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot more aggressive than I remember Pee Wee Herman being, but this is fantastic. Well, that's a line, Malone or Dottie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, man. There was some from the yeah. He cuts the tag off the mattress. There was a, there was a punk rock song called that too. I think it was like Bouncing Souls. Like we were laughing hysterically, and all my buddies like were like trying to be tough, you know, tough punk rock kids, fourteen. That's so funny, you know. I'm like that's the Pee Wee Herman line, dog. Like, get it together. Yeah. Fantastic. We think we're sticking it to the man, and we're really just like rehashing Pee Wee Herman <laughs> in three chord fucking harmony. That's was it really harmony? Yeah, some of it was. <laughs> All right, Drew. Okay, so so I have two, um, and one of them is 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 I have shared it before, uh, but this this past weekend. My favorite rum writer, Matt Petrick, reached out to me and he said, hey, would you mind just reading this over and tell me what you think before like, I start promoting this? And I wow. didn't know what to do with my hands. Wow. Um, and, and of course, he wrote a great article on the place of Martinique rum in Mai Tais, which <laughs> I realize how this sounds to everybody. But it was, it was so good, and it was so well researched. And the Mai Tai is is like, is the hill that I will die on for right, the yeah, right, for the right recipes. I mean, I mean, for for the, 
I guess the uninitiated, the, the Mai Tai for cocktail nerds is is hands down one of the most like destroyed bastardized, absolutely bastardized, completely fucked up recipes that that like. It, like as long as it's got juice and rum in it, yeah. It, it, yeah. People if will there's, call it a mai if tai. there's any juice near my mai tai, get that out of my face. Uh, except yes, for Drew. lime juice, you mean? Well, I, I guess yeah. If you like, <laughs> yeah. Don't give me, don't give me. Drew, that. Drew, want, Drew wants his is mai tai stirred. I know, lady asked me why why it wasn't pink. Was yeah, because it's a real mai tai. I'm like, uh, what? Why yeah. would it be? Yeah. yeah. So so. So check check that article out. It's just it's a really great di- deep dive. Where do where do people find it? So you're gonna go to cocktailwonk.com. You can follow them on Instagram, which is cocktailwonk or rumwonk. Um, and, and and again, like the the things that and the time that he puts into these things, like I just have such a deep appreciation for it. And then the fact that he was like, "Hey, just tell me what you think of this." Like he doesn't need my validation. Although I did he the other article that he did earlier this year. Or oh god, maybe it was last year. I don't know anymore. But it's a it's he did a deep dive on Jamaican rum in the uh, British rum blend and how it actually doesn't really belong. Um, that article got nominated for a Spirit Award uh, at Tales of the Cocktail. Oh shit! Right. And so I, I kind of is Tales happening this year? I virtually yeah. So they're doing so no. So, you know, so that so the, the awards are, you know, for all these different publications, stuff like that. and there's some really, really great, great articles that, that his competition is, but it's like, that article, I ended up doing like this total fangirl post about it on Facebook, because it's, it's so good, and it's really easy to digest, and there's a lot of really great information and reference points and things like that, um, so... To have someone that I respect so greatly in this business. And he also has the Minimalist Tiki book, which is incredible. Fantastic. Such a good book. People yeah. need to pick that up as well. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to Matt. Again, he doesn't need it because he's he's got his following. But actually, so- Matt, Matt, if you could figure if you could reach out to us and um, if you listen to this and tell us uh, where I can buy Minimalist Tiki, I'd like to add it to our shelves for for our like uh, library at, at Goodball. It's definitely one of those books and finding books is a totally different thing than finding booze. I'm very good at navigating three tier system. I am not so good at navigating. There was a, however you handle publishers. There's no distributor for books. Like I don't understand how this shit works. (laughs) I I've got an employee who does an amazing job at it, but even he's like, he struggles with it because we have only so much things and his wife's even a librarian. So like we even have the inside but it's it's tough, man. So for us to like carry the dope books, it takes a lot of effort. And if he doesn't listen, I'm just I'll message him because I do. There was a moment right before you guys opened where I did a lot of that research for you because I was like, "It's true, you, you did." Like you, you should did. get this book. You should you get did. that book. And it was weird. It was definitely a weird thing. Like if you're like, I love diving into weird parts of the world like that where you're just kind of like, "How does this work?" And you're like, "Like that doesn't make any sense at all." So um, so yeah, we'll, we'll figure that. Out. Okay, so then my other my other one is uh instagram account i know that they have a tiktok but you guys know i don't have a tiktok so i love the tiki talkies um but it's called sf in bloom oh yeah and so i saw a video of these two of these two people and what they do is they take native wildflower seeds and they skateboard around san francisco hitting all like the random dirt spots and stuff like that and they're and they're putting stuff that's not invasive right 
But then they like they wear they wear like bee outfits when they do it, <laughs> and then and then they uh, which probably doesn't have nobody bats a fucking eye. Of course they yeah. don't. They're like they're like that person's in the bee outfit and they're riding the skateboard. At least they're not shitting on the sidewalk, yeah. you know. So <laughs> I mean, even if they are, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But so it's really Isn't funny. Is it a Yeah. <laughs> they, they, but they, so they're, they're all over the city and they're, and they have like a, like a, a red pepper shaker, you know, that you would have like oh, a yeah, pizza yeah, point. Yeah, and, yeah. and they just, they drive by and they just quickly shake those seeds out. And then they go back a couple months later and they show you the growth and stuff. And they're just, cool. and they're just making what to me has become a truly ugly city. Uh, very beautiful again. Um, so, so again, that's SF in bloom. Uh, they're on Instagram. I, I, I know the video I saw was originally on, uh, on TikTok. So I'm sure, so I know they're on there as well, but, uh, but it's just, it's such a great account and it's such a feel good kind of thing, which I just feel that all of us need. Yeah. I'm definitely trying to like make my, make my Instagram and my TikToks more of that, like feel good. I, I hate it. You're going to stop doing posting? No. No, no, no. That's still part of it, but I need, I need to balance. I'm a Libra, man. I gotta have the balance. I don't think you do. Your sometimes you make me so sad with the things you post. I'm like, yeah, Chris, we get it. The world sucks. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah, I need to remind people every once in a while. Yeah, the Doom posting and, and Doom scrolling are two new things I was introduced to in the past like week. Oh, you didn't know what those were? I mean, like, I I, under, I understood the concept. I didn't know they had its own like phrase their own vernacular yeah sure yeah and i just like and there's a couple people you're you're one of them you're welcome that i want to be like i'm like can you stop with this because you're not making anybody feel better like this is just and you're not and i don't and i don't think that you're you feel better well it's like i don't think you're talking to anybody i'm not i'm I'm screaming into the void that's what i'm doing or the echo chamber or just kind of like yeah you know much people agree with you i guess it doesn't even do that it just it's literally me screaming into the void (laughs) that's what it is it's it's terrifying when the void looks back at you. That's all. I, I believe it. Well, I got to tell you, I, I think those were some pretty dope photos.
It's going to be modified syrups. Right? Yeah. So modified syrups is coming out. Right? It's got some rad syrups that you made in a long time. Talk to a bartender, and uh, it's going to pop up here at Good Bottle next week. So if you're in town uh, and if you're interested, uh, pop on through. Uh, it's going to be on Wednesday. So come, come to some of these syrups. We're going to make some uh, lovely beverages for some people too. And uh, I bet if we're going to Dope serves more than half of the sense of humor. Chad is good at whatever he does, so definitely check it out. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. Cheers! 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 C